Welcome to Fresh Take, where we at Florida Organic Growers speak to food systems experts about topics related to organic and sustainable agriculture, healthy lifestyles, and the environment. To help us continue our programs at FOG, including our podcast, consider becoming a sponsor. For more information on sponsorship, check out our Get Involved page on our website, www.foginfo.org. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Take. I am your host, Lana Shahabuddin, and also the Local Food Project Coordinator here at Florida Organic Growers. Today, I am joined by our special guest, Tom Wichman, who is, without a doubt, an expert in land use efficiency and assistant director for the Florida Friendly Landscaping Program, here to help guide us through the process of turning our homes into an oasis through eco-friendly landscaping ideas. Tom, we are so happy to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It is my pleasure to be here. Thank you for joining us. I can't wait to talk about this in depth and learn so much from you. I understand you've been in the horticultural industry for almost 50 years. Is that right? Long time. Yeah, I started working in a retail garden center when I was 11 years old and uh, it's crazy. Somehow I got to be 60 already. So, <laughs> Well, that's truly admirable. And it really, it makes me wonder if you have always known that you wanted to be in this industry and if you experienced any hurdles in getting to where you are now in your career. You know, I've had a pretty scripted life. You know, in middle school, I could have told you that I was going to major in horticulture and I would go to University of Florida and, you know, my life has been kind of scripted. I've never had any other job than a horticultural-related horticulture position. And so it's just, uh, it's, it's been one that I've always known what I want to do. Wow. That's, I feel like that's quite rare to know, you know, from such a young age that this is something that you feel so closely connected to. So I feel like that's, that's quite special. And as a self-proclaimed plant nerd, you have worn many hats, but landscaping has been quite a big one for you. Can you tell us why this is such an important topic, and especially in a state such as Florida? Well, Florida's a unique climate. It's very different than the rest of the country. You know, we're, we're growing things 12 months out of the year. Uh, we're also a, a very rapidly growing state. We have you know, a thousand new people coming to the state of Florida each and every day. And so it's as we care for the land, you know, as we landscape and manage our landscapes, you know, we really have to think about managing our resources. And, you know, being part of the Florida Friendly Landscaping Program is very important to me because it really does affect, you know, how the state is going to be able to cope in, in the coming years. You know, Florida Friendly Landscaping is really all about teaching people how to design and maintain landscapes, all while protecting our natural resources. So it really is all about protecting Florida. Right, right. Well, I love that that mission and that idea behind it, because Florida, prior to it becoming just completely full of industrialization buildings and, you know, all the people coming to this lovely state, we we do have a lot of precious resources and the nature here and the wildlife is, is quite stunning. So to have a, a program focused on making sure that those are still intact seems very important. And so I'm wondering what are the 
the main tenants that you guys focus on with the Florida Friendly Landscaping? Well, the, the Florida Friendly Landscaping program is based on nine core principles. And it's it's a science-based program. And so it's, you know, everything is vetted through University of Florida. And those nine principles are right plant, right place, which is probably our most important and key principle, making sure the plants are getting in the right location so that they can thrive and do their best with as few inputs as possible. The second one is water efficiently. The third one is fertilize appropriately. Mm -hmm. There's mulching is number four. Number five is attracting wildlife. Number six is managing yard pests responsibly. Number seven is recycle. Number eight is reduce stormwater runoff. And number nine is protect the waterfront. And this really is a holistic approach and uh, a way to look at the landscape that it's not about any one of these things. It's about how all these things are intertwined and how they work together. Right. So there are a lot of different components to this. And today, I hope that we get to cover a good chunk of it. And I wanted to, to learn first before we dive into all of that your role as the assistant director for the Florida Friendly Landscaping Program. I understand you're also the green industry's best management practices statewide coordinator. Can you tell us a little bit about those two roles and and what you are doing um, currently with that? Certainly. Well, the it's uh, I'm very blessed to be able to, you know, help provide direction and help run the Florida Friendly Landscaping Program. It is a program that's been around for 30 years. And, you know, it's it's something that's very near and dear to my heart. There are three main uh, programs, sub-programs underneath the Florida Friendly Landscaping umbrella. And that's a homeowner program, which we talk a lot about with those nine principles. But we also have the uh, professional group that we work with. That's uh, the Green Industries Best Management Practices Program. And that is, uh, I'm teaching landscape professionals how to maintain landscapes and, and protect the environment, just like the homeowners side. But here we're working with landscape professionals. Ah. And so anybody that applies fertilizer commercially is required, let, they're legislatively mandated actually, to take our GIBMP training in order to get their fertilizer certificate from FDAX. And then uh, the, the third sub-program is the Florida Friendly Communities, which works with governments, builders, developers. And so it's there's a, a lot of different audiences and you know a lot of different ways to help educate citizens of Florida. Wow. So there's there's a lot you guys are doing and I understand this is the 30th anniversary, right, for the Florida Friendly Landscaping Program? Correct. February 24th was our uh, our 30th anniversary. We had a celebration at the Orange County Extension Office and uh, had some dignitaries there. We had a debut showing of the special uh, 30th anniversary uh, edition of our, our television show, Flip My Florida Yard. So it was, uh, was a very nice event and, and a fun time. Wow. Well, congratulations on that milestone. 30 years, that's a pretty big, big deal. And I, I admire how this program is really dedicated to kind of science-based, low-impact, sustainable, environmentally friendly practices. And we, we really want to go into the gist of all of this. But I also know that you are uh, what were the hosts for the Gardening in a Minute radio show from 2006 to 2013, 
and the host for the award-winning Florida Friendly Landscaping in a Minute from 2020 to March of this year. What was that experience like? You know, the years ago, we started to trying to figure out, you know, how we can reach different audiences. You know, we're over the 30 years, we've reached a lot of different types of folks through through our 67 extension offices throughout the state. There's there's one of those in, in every county. So it makes it real convenient to be able to, to reach our audiences. You know, however, we're trying to reach those folks that don't know about the extension service or what the University of Florida has to provide. And so we look to mass media to try and carry that through. And so the radio show really is one that gives people some tips, some landscaping tips, but, you know, ultimately really directs them to university websites or to the uh, local cooperative extension office. And so the, as the name implies gardening in a minute or Florida friendly landscaping in a minute, they were one minute shows. And so they were really just there to provide tips. They also served well for us for social media and other, other pieces as well. Right. And so it seems to me that you, with those kinds of those short, you know, one minute shows, you're targeting the millennial audiences who want information pretty much in a minute. (laughs) So it's quite interesting to see how, you know, information and the translation of communication has changed in terms of us learning and understanding and grasping these new ideas and resources and information. So I love that you guys did that and had different focuses with gardening in the in the Florida friendly landscaping. So going into the Florida friendly landscaping, I want to know in terms of, you know, using our homes to serve as a platform for building biodiversity in our communities. How exactly can we do that? Well, it's there's a big thrust today on increasing biodiversity. It's it really is important. And when you start thinking about, you know, what we can do in our own landscapes, it's it's really huge and can be very impactful. We talked about earlier about all the people moving to Florida every every single day. And so we have more and more people coming and that does impact our our land use. And so, you know, we're we're losing more and more natural areas to subdivisions, to homes and, and commercial areas. And so the more we can do in our individual landscapes to provide a refuge and even just a a stopping point for some wildlife as they move through our very populated state of Florida, it's going to benefit uh, the wildlife so much. So, you know, we're talking about biodiversity. We're talking about all kinds of organisms, everything from plants to insects to the animals. And, you know, we're, we're looking to have as much biodiverse situations as possible. So, we do that by, you know, in having lots of different species of plants, um, working in many natives. Oh, you know, we talk about right plant, right place that as our number one principle. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is. That's important, whether it's native or not. So on our plant list, we have lots of natives. We have non-natives as well, uh, but we make sure that uh, we don't include any invasive plants on our Florida friendly plant list. And so we keep keep that uh, up to date. Uh, but we're continually adding more and more plants, many of those being natives. And, you know, it's really important that we, you think about the, 
ability of us to attract all of this wildlife to our landscapes and you know being able to see the the butterflies and the birds and see all these animals in our own landscapes it, it really helps us kind of i think become more in touch uh, with the environment yeah absolutely i i i couldn't agree more with that and i think even from my own home i often see red cardinals and different exotic birds and and just national geographic right outside my window so it's really exciting to see that kind of thing and i think in addition to beautifying your home you get to witness um, nature at its finest and one of the things that i saw on your website in terms of different ways of attracting and supporting wildlife was building a bat house and that's something that i actually did back in high school in south florida and i remember thinking to myself wow bats in florida didn't know that this was a thing especially as a child and i think some people till this day might not know that we have a bat population in this state so i'm curious to know have you built one yourself and have you kind of guided folks in in doing so i have never built my own bat house i've seen lots of bat houses go up and and seen people building them uh but i don't have a bat house out at my property but i think about the 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 large bat houses that we have here on campus at University of Florida, and they they house hundreds of thousands of bats wow. um, in them, and it uh, it attracts crowds to see them fly out every every night at uh, just at dark, and it it really is fun. We've uh, we've spent some time there, you know, just watching them fly, and it really is exciting. You know, you think about a bat can eat more than a thousand. Each bat can eat more than a thousand insects each and every night. Right. So they're out there, they're feeding on insects that might bother us in, in other ways. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, that's a really good point. I mean, we, we even sometimes we see lizards and folks are bothered by those, but we know that our, our native lizards also consume some of those insects that we don't like as well. So it's, it's funny how uh, nature works sometimes. But there are other ways that might seem more simple for folks to attract and support wildlife, such as selecting plants that actually provide food, that provide cover, allowing dead branches to pile up for birds to use when building their nests. What are some other simple ways you think folks listening can start building this oasis today? Well, Lana, you, you talked really, you mentioned something really important with, you know, the fact that, uh, choosing plants that are going to provide food, food and cover for animals is, you know, incredibly important. And so, you know, if you can, uh, a lot of our native plants are going to, going to provide for some of those food sources a little better than, than others perhaps. And so you can look for those, but make sure you're, you're looking at all of the, the different resources that you have, but you also want to be able to layer that landscape. So you want to have tall plants. You want to have medium-sized plants. You want to have ground covers and short plants so that you do provide this, these layers of cover for, for the different animals that might visit. Now, you also want to have blooming plants to be able to provide nectar for, uh, for butterflies and, and other insects. And, you know, if you do want to have lots of butterflies, then you also want to have 
uh, larval host plants as well, ones that the caterpillars can eat. So you kind of have to look at that whole circle of life and figure out exactly what you want. You mentioned, uh, you know, brush piles. Brush piles are a great way to provide some cover for, for certain animals. And then some people like to leave snags, which, you know, is nothing more than a, a section of trunk. If you have a dead tree, instead of cutting it all the way down, maybe you just cut it down to a nice safe height of 10 or 15 feet. And then uh, that provides not only places for birds to land, but also uh, some of the other birds will make homes in those snags. And uh, so it really does provide a nice resource. These are such great ideas. And honestly, it's quite simple to get started. And for people listening, I want to mention that there is the option of signing up to take the pledge online um, for the Florida Friendly Landscaping. And just by doing that, it's your ticket to learning more about this topic, even after today's show and, and finding different ways to term your home into a sanctuary for life. Uh, I want to talk about the water-wise practices. What are some uh, methods folks can implement to save some water when designing their landscape? Well, again, it comes down to, we'll go back to right plant to the right place. We want to make sure we're choosing Florida-friendly plants. All of the plants on the Florida-friendly plant list are drought tolerant once they're established. Mm. Um, and so hopefully they can survive with minimal inputs of water and fertilizer once they are established so that you won't have to do a, a, a lot of watering. And so in Florida, we get most of the parts of the state are getting somewhere around 50 inches of rain every year. That's a lot of water, but we do have some dry times in between. So uh, in those dry times, we may have to supplement water to some of our plants. And, uh, you know, we do that the most efficient way we can by, you know, making sure that we use micro irrigation or uh, low volume irrigation in our landscape beds and that we don't run the irrigation system on automatic. You know, the, the water management districts allow us to water two times during the week, during the summer months, and one time a week during the winter months. But just because we're allowed to water that often doesn't mean we need to water that often. So we need to really turn our systems off of automatic and run them manually only when our plants tell us they need water. And, you know, go out and look at the landscape, look at the plants. And when they start to wilt, you, uh, you'll know it and you can uh, then pop up the irrigation. One good way to tell is to look at the lawn. The lawn can be a great indicator plant. And when grass blades are dry, when grass plants are dry, those grass blades are going to kind of fold in half. And uh, when you see that, they'll kind of have a grayish cast if you look out across the lawn or if you step on those areas you may see your footprints remain for a little while. So, you know, when you see that about 30% of the lawn is in that drought state, then it's time to, to run or to, to run that irrigation system or to make sure that uh, you can water at that point in time. The University of Florida recommends that you put out between a half and three quarters of an inch of water at each irrigation. And we've got some nice statistics that show that you know, we're saving hundreds of millions of gallons of water by the education we're doing and what the citizens of Florida really are doing after they learn the Florida Friendly Practices. Wow, these are excellent tips, Tom. Thank you for sharing that. Just even the, the simple idea of knowing that, you know, if your footprint lasts just a little while longer, that, you know, it's time to add 
some more water to your plants, um, to your grass, let's say. Mm -hmm. But there's different methods that I've come across in learning about these eco-friendly practices. One of them is uh, rainwater harvesting. Could you tell us what that entails and kind of what supplies are needed for that? Because we, we definitely experience a lot of rain in this state. So I'm wondering, you know, how folks can, can implement that. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a free resource. And if you can collect some of that rainfall that might ordinarily just come off your roof and go to waste, certainly you can use that to water some of your plants out in your landscape or, or some of your container plants, perhaps. So the easiest thing to start with is a rain barrel. Rain barrels are pretty readily available. You can buy them online or, you know, a lot, a lot of times our local extension offices will have rain barrel workshops um, mm -hmm. where you can actually you know, attend a workshop and build your own rain barrel. So uh, they make it kind of simple. Those rain barrels hold about 50 gallons of water, um, which is nice. Um, you can connect multiple ones together so that you could save even more water. Or you can even build cisterns. Uh, cisterns typically hold more water, usually hundreds to even thousands of gallons of water. Um, and they can be above ground or below ground. But usually a takes a little bit more engineering with the, the cistern as, you know, you're then going to pump that water out and it could run an entire irrigation system. Wow. But harvesting that rainwater is is something I think we're going to continue to look at more and more in the future. Yeah. And it seems so simple to just collect the water that is literally falling from the sky and using that in the best ways possible, especially for the plants that might possibly get overwatered and and kind of learning to disperse that in the right time. Mm -hmm. Are there tips when it comes to preparing for natural disasters? For instance, we do have hurricane season coming up and we definitely see a surge of stormwater runoff and sometimes in excess. So is there ways to to mitigate the you know, excessive flow of water in those situations as well? Definitely. And managing stormwater runoff is, again, one of our nine principles, one of our main nine principles. And it's really important. We're funded by the Florida Department of Environmental Protection. And, you know, they, they, they're very big on trying to educate people on how to handle stormwater runoff. And the more water that we can keep on our property instead of sending it off, you know, into the storm drains or down the street, you know, we'll be a much better state for it. So we want to allow as much of that water to perk as possible. So maybe you can construct a rain garden. If you have a naturally depressed area in your yard, that could be a nice place to install a rain garden and allow water to just kind of flow towards that area. And you plant that with plants that'll tolerate wet conditions, but those that'll also tolerate the dry conditions when you're between rains. Um, and it can be a really beautiful part of your landscape. And in some of our TV shows lately, we've been installing some rain gardens and it's uh, the, it's been really satisfying adding those. That's one way, but also wanna make sure that we make sure our downspouts are not facing onto impervious surfaces, that we've got them going into the landscape so that uh, that water that's coming out of the gutters can actually be utilized and, again, isn't contributing to that stormwater runoff issue. Other than that, to get ready for some of the big storms, if you have 
you know, a driveway that's prone to flooding, you know, anytime you can do any of your hardscape, if you can make it pervious. So there's, uh, there are pavers that you can use that uh, will be pervious and allow for more percolation. Um, or if you can utilize, you know, other materials like mulches or um, even gravels for walkways and things or stepping stones where water will still be allowed to park, that'll all help reduce that amount of stormwater runoff. To get ready for some of the high winds, do make sure you have a certified arborist. Check your trees out as well to make sure that uh, none of your trees are hazards should we have some uh, some big winds come by. Oh, excellent idea. That's definitely a big one here um, in the state of Florida because we definitely see branches and trees and all sorts of things flying. And speaking of debris, I do want to learn more about recycling yard waste and various ways in which we can convert what we thought was trash to actually beneficial parts of our landscape. What are the advantages, first of all, for reusing yard waste? Well, number one, it's going to save resources if you're keeping those those materials on site rather than having them trucked away or having to pay to have them hauled away. Um, and they can provide so much to, to your landscape. We start first with uh, everyone should have a, a compost bin. You know, I, I think if you can recycle, you know, a lot of your landscape debris and, and perhaps kitchen scraps and things in that uh, compost bin, why not? And it'll make beautiful compost that, you know, is we call it black gold. Um, that compost can really help uh, as you're planting new plants. But we see like leaves from uh, from your oak trees. We see people go through a lot of effort to rake them up and send them out. And, you know, that's a nice natural resource and a good Florida-friendly mulch. So I utilize a lot of leaves as mulch in my own landscape. And as that breaks down, it just adds to the organic matter to the soil, building up your soil over time as well. And maybe you can just have naturally mulched areas underneath trees. So you have you know, large garden spaces. Every one of the trees in my landscape is in a garden space. And so, you know, as those leaves leaves drop, I can just let them lay right in that garden space. And it really reduces the amount of raking and and management I have to do with that. That is so great. And And I just recently learned this, thanks to your, you know, online resources that the self mulching areas do so much for creating for a holistic landscape, including retaining the soil moisture, decomposing organic mulch, um, improving the soil structure and moderating temperatures of the soil. So there seems to be a lot of benefits that we don't see to our naked eye, but really has a huge impact in terms of benefiting even what's underneath the ground. And creating for just a, a more temperate and beneficial space for, for nature. Exactly. And again, it didn't cost you anything by utilizing what was already there. Right. And that's, that's what I love the most about this. I mean, there are things that people don't think about in terms of keeping or reusing that are at your fingertips, including even grass clippings and, you know, those, those leaves that are falling from your trees that you often see getting piled up and then sent into the landfill. When in reality, like you said, we can be utilizing those for composting and kind of 
reintroducing some of those nutrients back into the environment. Sure. So for for folks who are listening, who who might be inspired by this conversation, are there any basic supplies or things they should have on hand when tending to their landscape? Oh, so many. <laughs> number, <laughs> number one, good tools. You know, to me, I, I think it's really helpful to, you know, have some good gardening, good quality gardening tools so that, you know, it makes your job just a little bit easier. And these days there, there's a lot of ergonomic tools that make, uh, you know, gardening a little less of a chore and makes it a little, little more friendly on your body. Some of the other things to think about are, are great resources. We have uh, five free apps that are available through the Florida Friendly Landscaping Program. And one of those is a plant selector that's really helpful. That's a native app. You can download that to your iPhone or, or to your Android device. And, you know, it's, it's there and it can help you choose plants so that you can uh, search by the, the type of the area in the state you are, as well as by the lighting conditions and the type of plant that you're looking for. And uh, it, that can really help you when you're at a garden center wondering what type of plants I want. But there's other uh, apps that we have. There's a butterfly gardening, a bee gardening app. Uh, there's also a toxic plant app. And then we have our fertilizer ordinance app as well, so that you can find out whether there are any fertilizer ordinances where you are. But all of these things are available at our website, which is that floridafriendlylandscaping.com. Perfect. And I do want to encourage everyone listening to watch the Florida Friendly Landscaping 30th anniversary one hour special on PBS that's going to air called Flip My Florida Yard. Episodes will be streaming on Discover Florida channel. You can search that on your TV provider or mobile app. And I know that, Tom, you also just finished filming season three for that television show. How was that experience? It, it's been a whirlwind over the, the past three years, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, season three will begin airing uh, later this fall uh, on PBS and eventually go to streaming. But season one and season two are all available to stream from the Discover Florida channel, as you mentioned. We'll also have it uh, on our YouTube page. Uh, we'll be loading those uh, a little at a time. But uh, it's it's been a... A very fun time that uh, that show. Uh, the host Chad Crawford from Crawford Entertainment. Uh, he's very charismatic. He's fun, uh, and we take ten landscapes ac from across the state and turn them either the front yard or the backyard into a Florida-friendly landscape all in eight hours. And wow. you know, like all the flipping shows, there's that drama: Are we going to get it done? Is it going <laughs> to rain? And, you know, the homeowners, they're gone while this is all happening and they come back. And so there's the big reveal. So it really has been a fun experience. And again, it's that effort to try and reach new audiences. And so through television, I think we're reaching a, a whole new group of folks and trying to let them know the resources that they have to start their own Florida friendly landscape and, you know, just where to go for more information. Absolutely. And how can you sign up to get your yard flipped? Because <laughs> I'm sure most people listening will be wondering the same question. If you just Google flip my Florida yard, it'll be the first one that pops up. And uh, certainly it'll let you know when it's time to just check back from time to time and uh, it'll let you know when it's time to sign up. But uh, that involves, 
you know, filling out an application and doing a short video, letting us know why you want a Florida friendly landscape and, and how it might change your life. It really has been fun going and seeing landscapes a year later, a year after being in the ground and seeing how it has grown in and how it has changed those homeowners lives. They do tend to spend a lot more time outdoors and not because they have to, but because they really want to, and they're enjoying that time outdoors. So and really interacting with their landscape. That's wonderful. What a unique experience that must be for you, you know, granting people that, that enjoyment and that ability to, to be outdoors and, and enjoy the yards and the land that they have. And I want to encourage everyone listening also for checking out local events that UFIFIS hosts across the state, just looking up your local agricultural extension agents for uh, resources and events like Tom mentioned. But a big thank you, Tom, for joining us and providing incredible insight into this topic. For our listeners today, your work is critical for our communities to thrive. So we really appreciate your time and dedication. Lana, it's been my pleasure, and thank you so much for talking about Florida-friendly landscaping. The more we can get people to understand that using the nine principles is so important to the state of Florida, the better, certainly. Absolutely. And that wraps up another enlightening episode of Fresh Take Podcast Show. We hope this conversation has inspired you to explore sustainable and eco-friendly landscaping options in your own yard or community. Remember that small changes can make a big impact, especially when it comes to creating a more environmentally conscious and beautiful landscape. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay tuned for more engaging discussions and fresh perspectives on various topics. We would also appreciate it if you could leave us a review and share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, let's continue to cultivate greener, more sustainable environments for a brighter future. Happy landscaping. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Florida Organic Growers is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. So to keep our content available and free to the public, we need your help. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen and consider making a tax-deductible donation or become a sponsor. Learn more about our work and how you can become a sponsor from our website, www.foginfo.org.